0: Inspire. Educate. Connect. This is Yoga Digest, a vibrant community
1: of passionate changemakers.
2: Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm Kim Bauman, founder of the One Love Movement, a nonprofit dedicated to serving kids in need. I am so incredibly honored to bring you One Love Heroes, a podcast show about ordinary people with extraordinary stories. We'll bring you true stories of love, hope, and courage from around the world, some from people you already know, and others from people you'll want to know. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to episode number three of One Love Heroes with Jason Mraz, where where we are recording live from his home studio. I first crossed paths with Jason about four or so years ago, because he showed up in one of my yoga classes that I was teaching. I was so floored that I literally froze. And so I didn't say hello. And I I ignored him and acted like he wasn't there. uh, Because I was so incredibly nervous. And so for me to actually be here in his studio recording this is literally a miracle in itself. A few months ago, I kept having these really strange thoughts that would enter my mind. And I kept thinking, oh, my God, Jason's going to somehow make my birthday really special. And not in the sense that he was going to do something for me, but something's going to happen with him that would make me feel really special on my birthday. And I had no idea what that was about. And it actually threw me off because it was so strange and it was so odd to even have those thoughts in my mind. And so after weeks of me pleading with him to come on my podcast show, he finally agreed to it. And one of the dates that he proposed happened to be May 13th, which is my actual birthday. And so here we are today on May 13th. And I uh, I was just so incredibly um, mesmerized by the way that Life can unravel like that. So you have this thought, you have these um, these wishes, or you have you know whatever's going on, and then over time you look back and everything unraveled in this really magical way. And so I'm just really grateful for how uh, amazing life can be like that, and give us these very special moments that are out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read through Jason's bio for the sake of timing, and also because I'm assuming that everyone pretty much knows who he is. And if you don't know who he is, no worries, you can just look him up in Google. There's lots of information on him. So without further ado... Introducing Jason Muraz.
0: Thank you, Kim. Happy birthday to you.
2: <laughs> Thank you. You're very
0: welcome.
2: <laughs> I'm so excited to get to be here. Um, I wish everyone listening to this could see how amazing his home studio is, and it's very peaceful with the or the orchards around us, with the birds, and um, it's got a very homey, creative flair to it. So it's a really neat space that you created here. Thanks. Uh, so I want you to know that this entire week I was actually even not even the entire week, but since we had we had um, messaged each other about three weeks ago to set this up, I've been just unglued and excited about Ooh. this. And I've been nervous, I've been excited, I've been anxious, I've been throwing up, not literally, but feeling like that. Uh And it's been just a a roller coaster of emotions. And so what I want to know from you is, I'm wondering, when have you felt this way about something? When have you been in my shoes?
0: Oh, many times. Um, I feel like while I might dabble in a lot of different things, at the core of it, I'm a creator. And I like to create things, and so anytime I'm about to unveil a creation, whether it's a new song, whether it's a joke, or it's um, <laughs> a, a, an experiment in my garden, I mean, that, that doesn't make me as anxious, but I do a lot of collaborating, and um, one example would be I get a chance to work with Willie Nelson. Oh wow! About six years ago, and it was—I would met him a few times, but this was going to be a day in the studio, and it took a lot of setting up, and I'm just very nervous because the day finally came, and and um, it's just surreal when when someone you've been able to view from afar, mm-hmm. observe, lets you into that world, and you want to show up and be your best so that you can meet whatever you project is their best. And uh, Willie walks in the door. He looked stunning, like an icon. Leather jacket, (laughs) boots, and cowboy hat, and a doobie in his hand, burning. (laughs) And he hands it to me immediately. Like, it's the first thing that happens. Instead of a handshake, he's like, here you go. He's like, let's do this. So not only did I have to really show up and be my best, but I had to do it under the influence of marijuana at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my technicians, my producer, they weren't as savvy in the medicinal arts and, uh, they were useless. They were on the couch. They had couch lock and I was behind the controls, um, working with Willie Nelson. It was surreal. And we got through it together because I, I feel like I just tried to show up and play at his level.
2: Yeah. That sounds amazing. So how long ago was this again? Did you already that? Was that was
0: 2010 or 11. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and I've since had a few more run-ins with him, and it's lovely. Uh-huh. It's lovely, and that's maybe that's something I've discovered through life is no one's really a stranger; we just haven't been introduced.
2: Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Were you? What was the? What was the? Um, as you were driving to go meet him, what was that like for you?
0: Oh, uh, that's the that's the most exciting part uh-huh. because of your imagination is is taking you down crazy paths yeah you're you're inventing conversations you're gonna have and Uh what it's gonna sound (laughs) like and yeah it's that that can be applied to any situation i get that when you go surfing like oh my gosh it's gonna be so big and it's gonna be scary but then you get there and it's mild and Mm -hmm. it's a ton of fun Mm
1: -hmm.
2: when i was driving here i hit a lot of traffic Mm -hmm. and part whenever I would hit those gridlock spaces, I was like, oh, it just gave me like a sense of relief. Like, oh, maybe I won't get there. Just that feeling of, oh, maybe it won't turn out because I oh, actually felt safer.
0: Absolutely. I felt safer
2: not having, not getting to be here. Does that make that sense? That is yeah.
0: a great thing to mm-hmm. mention because that's very real, mm-hmm. very real. I was, and I thought the same thing. I, I hadn't, I saw your email earlier with uh-huh. the phone number. I was like, oh yeah, because if we didn't have an ability to communicate, gosh, what if... She couldn't make her. That didn't happen. My first thought was, "Well, okay, I'd go finish planting the, the rose bush mm-hmm. and then move on to my video thing." Like it was a safe thing. So
2: yeah, for sure.
0: That, and I think that's great to acknowledge because we can miss so many brilliant opportunities if we let safe and comfort always mm-hmm. win. For sure. You know, and we live in a very comfortable society where entertainment and our comforts are—they take precedent. You know, I was just hanging out with some people earlier who were talking about how to get the best, you know, um, access to all the hit television shows. Mm-hmm. You know, or do you use Apple TV or Amazon or what are you using? YouTube, blah, blah, blah. And, mm-hmm. and everyone had a very, at least in this setting that I was at, um, they knew how to get the best results mm-hmm. so they could get the entertainment, you know. And I think the same can be said with get the best results for maybe our food pleasures or the, just the comforts, our luxuries. And you compare that with, well, how do we get the best results in, say, the at City Hall, so that our city can have some improvement? Or how do we get the best results in our U.S. government? Or how do we get the mm-hmm. best results for equality? And those are much harder, I, I would say. But then again, we don't put our energy on that as easily as we have with, say, Wi-Fi everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> why can't there be free water, clean water everywhere? You know, but it's maybe it's safer and more comfortable to sit on the couch and just
2: and not, and not know that some people don't have clean water.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: I love that. That's a really good point. A very good point. So then what does it look like for you to come out of your comfort zone? Like whether it's in something small or anything grandiose, like what is that like for you or what, what is something that you really have worked on to come out of your comfort zone?
0: Hmm. Um,
2: because I know for myself, uh, it can be something as small as uh, today. I'm not going to have coffee just for one day, mm. and that like greatly puts me out of my comfort zone because I'm the biggest coffee fan in the whole wide world. Oh. And then other things, what other things that have been hugely out of my comfort zone is connecting with people like you. Mm. Which every time, you know, if I see your name pop up for a message, I'm like. Ew! and i have to figure out like if i'm i'm immediately in my in my uncomfortable zone mm-hmm. to respond to be myself and so for me it's uh you know being keeping who i am and keeping my truth inside of any situation
0: mm-hmm. okay yeah i've i I try to go with the flow um, fielding requests is a big challenge for me and I have a lot of different avenues that mm-hmm. I'm creating and all those avenues have people that help me field requests because mm-hmm. otherwise it would be a lot of requests and I personally love to make to see everybody happy and I would I would overwhelm myself if I answered every request so for sure I, I step out of my comfort zone at times. Um, well, every, almost every time I, I go into those channels to to look at those requests and see mm-hmm. what's needed of me. And then to get through that, what makes me feel like, okay, I'm out of my comfort zone, but I know I'm going to get through it, is I try to separate the actual task from my likes and my dislikes. From mm-hmm. from my from, Is this going to be hard or not? That, that really doesn't matter. That's almost like my ego saying, well, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. But I know that if I just go with the flow, I'll learn how to do it. Uh, I'll just start wherever I start and figure it out as I go. So I like that feeling of life begins outside of your comfort zone. For sure. Yeah, I like that feeling. For sure.
2: I also am working on, uh, you know, practicing yoga or taking some sort of fitness class outside of what what i know Mm. and i get so much anxiety from that do you have a regular practice of your own that you take on or do you work do you practice here at your house
0: i practice here at my house which oh you do i do yeah and that's for very me, disciplined the whole point of doing the yoga teacher training is where we really yeah. got properly introduced yeah was so that i could take all that yummy wisdom that i every time i went to a yoga studio a yoga teacher would would blow my mind and give me a tool that would completely transform not only my day but i'd be able to carry it on and having had the ability to travel all around the world in music i got to visit yoga studios all over the world and when i'm home I was traveling down to Carlsbad to my to the studio there mantra and after a while I just thought I shouldn't have to do this out there like I really want yoga to exist in me I want to have that that connection mm. in the flow of life and I've and I've been to enough workshops where I met people who then and saw like wow they they really do have their own personal practice like that's what this that's where you want to get And it's not even about the practice. I think the practice is what you do before you hit the main stage. Mm -hmm. In the main stage, you want to forget everything you practice and just play, right? You just want to play. You are not want to play your rehearsed stuff. So I look at practice as an opportunity for me to prepare my body for the day, to tune my mind in for the day, so that I don't bring who knows whatever my mind wants to do. Bad dreams, yesterday's garbage, fears of the stuff that have Mm -hmm. to come up. I, mm-hmm. I, I just look at it as a tuning in and a body preparation too, because I know I'm going to be on my feet and I'm going to be high and I'm going to be low on the ground mm-hmm. and I'm going to be talking a lot and I'm going to be this. So, and if I miss it, if I miss that practice in the mm-hmm. morning, why do I feel tense later that day or sluggish or mm-hmm. why did I get angry? You know, I shouldn't have that. I can mm-hmm. smooth all that out if I just check in with myself. So, that is a little disciplinary practice I give myself, and it's based on what i've learned in yoga teacher training which is valuable and i compared it with what i learned many years ago this thing called the five tibetan rites which are these five little basic exercises that apparently these tibetan monks do every morning to prepare themselves for their mm-hmm. day so i kind of weave the five tibetan rites in with surya namaskar a and b and kind of came up with my own thing that just makes me feel good makes me feel like i'm getting what bit, you need where i need how mm-hmm. opening hips making sure i feel strong you know <laughs> Some things I always try to do a little bit further, like crow pose or something. I really want to, you know, go longer than a minute in mm-hmm. that. Like some things, I can tell each day that I get stronger and stronger at. I'm still not doing handstands or anything, but um, but for many years I was just uh, practice hunting. I was meaning. I was. I wanted to try this. I want to try that. I want to try this, and I had all these routines and all these practices mm-hmm. I was taking on. That I was overwhelmed with. You know, am I supposed to meditate and do yoga and eat this diet and do this and right. you know, and write my grateful affirmations and all this and do my journaling? It's like that's going to take me five hours before my day starts of all these routines. So. Mm-hmm. And I think it just comes with practice, and it comes with time. But you find what works for you, so mm-hmm. that it best supports your attitude, your spirit, your behaviors, and um, and yeah, I do that. So now I spend less time in the car driving to yoga studios, and I can just step outside in this beautiful nature. Yes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, with bedhead and <laughs> set my little playlist on, and and just do my thing. And it's I really love it, and it's. It's, it makes me feel like I can do anything.
2: Yeah. How long is your ritual
0: in the morning? Anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. Oh, Depends I like on that. how deep I go. can be short and sweet or it can Absolutely. be... Absolutely. If I just do the basic exercises, mm-hmm. I can do it all in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Love it. And that's just kind of doing a flow. Because the five Tibetan rites, you do each exercise 7, 14, or 21 times. Okay. So right from the start, you can say, okay, I'm only going to do seven of these today. Or today I'm going all 21 for all these. Mm-hmm. And then I pair them... You know, with, with a little vinyasa flow. and Very cool. But once you go, really once you break 20, you don't want to stop. You kind of want to go like <laughs> just a little deeper and gooier. Right, right. And Stronger. You it's get nice. into that
2: mode. Yeah. You're
0: in, you're in the zone for sure. Yeah. It, it started for me, too, on tour. Mm-hmm. When in 2009 I was touring very, very heavily. Mm-hmm. And a friend I was touring with, uh, well, she was my monitor tech she had a family tragedy, so she got off the road and went home and dealt with the loss of her father. Oh. And she ended up having a complete career change. She mm-hmm. was in sound, and then she said, you know, I, I want to learn food. I want to learn more about health. Um, and she became yoga teacher, I believe through Core Power. She became certified yoga teacher. And she came back on the road with us and said, I don't want to do sound, but I want to offer you life support. I want you to eat better, and I, wanna, I want us to do yoga every day. I said, bring it on. And that was really the first time yoga started to show up in my life every single day. Mm. And we would do it in the dressing room or sometimes in the venue before the crowd came in, and we'd put our yoga music on, the big PA, and we'd turn the lights on, and we'd bless the space with our yoga. Your practice. Right before the doors opened and people came and stood in our sweaty spot, right? <laughs> and I love it. I would come home healthier and stronger than I was when I left tour mm-hmm. and that was a good thing because prior to that you would you'd get home from tour and be tired sluggish pale um sick because of just the conditions of travel and so after I started experience that I knew I needed to also apply that much discipline to my home life mm-hmm so there's no reason I shouldn't be at home also treating every day like a performance.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Treat every day like a performance. Yeah. That should be. All a quote. the world is
0: a stage. Treat every day like a performance.
2: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So what do you do when your mind tells you that you're less than? How do you how do you navigate? How do you manage that for yourself?
0: I've learned not to believe it. For a, in my past, I would identify with it and say, "Oh, I must be less than. I'm, I'm less than." But uh, here, my cat. My cat thinks he's oh, less than. Here she just, is. He's just, uh, he wants a little snack. He,
2: there he hey. is. I only I know, know him from snack. Instagram. I'm gonna get this. Hi Krishna. <laughs> hey, Chris. Hi Krishna. Come here. Come here. Is he shy? Maybe.
0: He's not shy on these snacks.
2: You only have one cat, right?
0: Oh and I have a third cat. Big girl. She lives in the house. Jesus and Krishna? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. That'll at least keep him from reality. Aw. What a cutie. Yeah. (laughs) How did your how did your cats come into your life? Do you have cat stories or no?
0: Um, yeah, these two cats came my former roommate Billy. Billy Galewood, he's also a performer. Uh he was driving back from Arizona and found mm-hmm. Jesus and Krishna as little baby kittens at a rest area, like hiding under a dumpster or something. So he threw them in the car and he brought them home. And they were they were crazy. They were these little feral cats that were hissing and mangy, and and within two or three weeks they were butter. And now they're the best cats. And I think their feral energy has really helped them survive out here because. There are a lot of predators, whether it's um, coyotes or hawks or owls and things, but these guys, they're fierce. They know how to adapt. But we also have an indoor cat that we adopted mm-hmm. from the Maine Society, and she has very little athleticism. <laughs>
2: Yeah. She lies around oh, yeah, on the couch. So we're not
0: letting we and wants to be pet. <laughs> she goes outside and sits on the deck, but we don't allow her to wander through the grove because she'd probably get lost or eaten.
2: And do the outside cats come indoors yeah. and play with her?
0: Okay. Oh, uh, so. they don't really play mm-hmm. together, but the two boys that are outside, they they come and go all day long. They think the doors open by themselves, but really, it's us constantly opening the doors. <laughs> they want to come in for a snack. They want to go out for a snack. <gasps>
2: It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> it's
0: so cute. So you had asked, um, how do I mm-hmm. keep my mind from believing that I'm less than? Yeah. And do, does that happen quite often? Me? Absolutely. Okay. So I've written a lot of songs about this because I feel like it continually comes up. Like my brain is on its own, has, its, has this radio station playing or this, this conversations and it seems on the left hand it thinks I'm no good. On the right hand, it thinks I'm full of potential. and I can do anything. But, and it's taken me years and I know I'm not final. So I don't know this. I'm sure my perspective on this will change. But it's taken me years to, to realize that I'm neither of those voices. I'm neither the one that says I'm less than or the one that says I can do anything because I can hear both of those voices. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I must be a deeper-seated soul, even beyond those voices. So I try not to pay any attention to the less than voices anymore Mm -hmm. because they can totally send me off track. But those voices can also inspire the heck out of me to change my behavior and prove to that voice that I'm less than that I'm greater than
2: Mm. You know what I mean? Like a competition? It's like a competition. Or like, yeah, right. Yeah. You're not going to tell me that.
0: Right. So I've my my manager can sometimes give me tough love. You know, I'll turn uh-huh. in some art and he'll have a interesting perspective on it that thinks it, it could be better. Mm-hmm. And my brain immediately says, my stuff isn't any good. You know, why don't you like it as it is? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with it? And so... I use that voice then for power. I, I use it to, how can I go back and look at my art in a different way so that I can share the message so that it lands with other people, that it is great, that it's meaningful. And so that I can also defeat that, that voice in my head. Um, so how I deal with it, I would say is I go back into art, Mm -hmm. some version of creative expression rather than just dwell on it. Mm -hmm. Um, journaling is helpful and and i might dwell in my journal i might i might see my hand say what's going on why do i feel like crap blah 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 Mm -hmm. but eventually say after two pages of that you your hand and your heart begins to write a new story for yourself Mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the brilliant things about writing and about any creative expression is we don't want to write the sad story for ourselves and you can try, and I guarantee you by the third page, you'll find the magic that you really have in you to, to, to silence that mm-hmm. less-than voice. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the less-than voice appears. I really don't. It's, is it from our society? Is it from yeah. our parents saying, hey, be quiet, not right now? Mm-hmm. Like, is it as simple as that? I like that question. Is it little kids on the playground picked on us? And so I said, oh, I must not be liked. Or something like, where does it come from? But I do think through our life we can choose not to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rylan the founder of Cafe Gratitude, or the one of the owners and operators of Cafe mm-hmm. Gratitude, the oh, son of the founders, mm-hmm. the son of the founders. His mother, Jean, said to me, um, "I am" are the two most powerful words mm-hmm. in the English language. Be careful what you say after those words, because you will become Ooh. that. So if you're saying, I am sorry, it's like, really? Are you sorry? You're sorry? Like apology is one thing, but to apologize and make something better, that's great. But choosing, I I apologize is much stronger than I am sorry because you're lessening yourself to try to make the other person bigger again. Mm -hmm. But I am no good. I am... I am I'll never a learn. terrible artist. Yeah. Like, you're mm-hmm. saying that. You are creating that powerful energy with your words, the language that builds your life, your story. So, and again, I've tried to write songs about this. I've tried to shift my language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from I am no good to I am amazing. I am grateful. I am here. I am now. I am wow. And I add those types of things to my morning routine when I'm doing my little morning exercises. Your 20 to 45 minute
2: ritual. Exactly.
0: I get my brain started on that. So I am here. I am clear. I am fresh. I am now. I am wow. I am I am grounded. I am grounded. I am grateful. And I do it almost as like a freestyle. just try to do as many as I can and not one negative word pops in. And it helps. I think it really does help. So we can retrain ourselves. Be, I love that. Yeah. I love that. To not have to have so many less than voices. Mm-hmm, for but sure. But if you do hear it, you don't have to believe it.
2: For sure. I love the um, humanizing of all of this, too. Uh, so it, it's so easy to look at someone like you and think that you have it all or think that you have everything figured out in life or that your your life is rainbows and butterflies every day. And so I'm curious, are you are you aware that people look at someone like you and your successes like that? And is there someone in your life, I guess you kind of referenced Willie Nelson earlier, but is there someone in your life that you see that as well?
0: That I see that it's rainbows and butterflies for them.
2: Yeah. Like you look at certain people and you're like, Oh gosh, they, they've got everything figured out. Uh, that'll never be me. Or how did they get to that place? And it seems like they're always the picture, the picture perfect family or the picture perfect mm. person
0: um no i maybe Mm -hmm. 10 20 years ago i did like i might look at um dave matthews i was a big fan of Mm -hmm. still am a big fan but i don't follow his career as closely as i did when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. but i would look at his life and go oh my gosh he's got the band he's got the stage he's got the tour he's buying up all of Virginia, he's got all this properties putting in the conservation. Like all of that, just seemed like a dream, and it must be so easy. And then you, then I go through the steps to pursue a life of, like that, and you start to learn how it works and how you get there, and also that even once you arrive, it still takes a lot of work to keep all of that and maintain all of that. And to keep the momentum going mm-hmm. and to please everyone and, and to keep everyone also feeling safe and supported. And so the, I realized then that it's not all rainbows and butterflies for anybody. Right. So I, I then started to look at life as, well, okay, how do they do that? How, how can, I, I want to more figure out how it is they did what they did or know more of their backstory because I don't think rainbows and butterflies really exist maybe unless you're born to a, in a billionaire's family. But even then, I'm sure your life you is... You still have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a human, you're going to suffer.
2: Yeah, for to sure. To some
0: extent. And uh, so I now I just look... If, if there is anybody I think has it all, I just want to think, well, how could, I, how could those possibilities... How could I have some of those possibilities right. as well?
2: Shifting your own paradigm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I had uh, two of my close friends this week say that to me as well, that they feel like I've got everything figured out and that stuff just comes my way. And, and I was like, what are you talking about me? It just kind of blew me away because because like you said, it's not like it just came and then that was amazing and great. It's like people don't understand, you know, the intricacies that happened before that or what you, the steps you took or the anguish or this or that. And so, um... Yes, yeah, so I was just wanted, interested in hearing your thoughts on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't give myself any other plan other than to, to do this life. Now, I didn't know what the life would look like in its details. I never knew it would have a farming aspect or a foundational mm-hmm. aspect. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what my daily practices would look like. I just didn't want to have to have a day job, quote-unquote day job. I just wanted music mm-hmm. to be the thing that I did. And I thought that that would be even just a weekly gig at a coffee shop. If it, as long as it was paying my bills, then I had made it. I didn't have to have any other mm. day job. So I didn't attach myself to any other, any other dream. And I didn't let that dream get um, deferred by me having a job to do what I needed to do to support that dream. I made the dream the goal. And I was willing to be a starving artist to have to live that dream because for me being a creator that's the reward is is seeing new things get created every day. It's not necessarily the monetary return or the applause or any of that. It's I just love making stuff up. Mm-hmm. That to me is <laughs> it's like magic. Trick. I just hear It's fun. Yeah, it's a magic <laughs> trick. So I think because. I didn't attach myself to anything else. It was only going to happen, Mm. right? And how it looked is not up to me. I think that's really the result of who you meet along the way, um, from whether it's collaborators, managers, fans, friends, and spouses, all who are going to support you in your creativity or your path. Mm -hmm. That plays into it, because... You know, if I hadn't met anybody, yeah, I might be the coffee shop guy living in his car, but I'd still be me and still be happy. But Mm -hmm. because I met some very powerful and influential people that helped me make my dream, project my dream even louder, Mm -hmm. it's put me where we are today. And maybe that's why people see it's so easy for you is because you allow your spirit to remain free. And allows you to travel all over the world, pursuing all of your curiosities and, mm-hmm. and passions. Mm-hmm. And that's why other people might look at you and think, "Oh, it comes so easy for you." Yeah. But you just you're leaving those windows of opportunity open, so that mm-hmm. when they show up, it's easy for us to say yes to them and accept them. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: I love that. Who is someone? You kind of touch on this a little bit, but. I'm curious now who is someone or even a string of people that without them knowing what they were doing at the time, everything came together to greatly impact your life at a point. Does that make sense? May I
0: say that one more time. So
2: I'm, so for example, I am currently, um, I'm really passionate and intrigued on figuring out I was adopted as a, as a baby. I was Mm -hmm. an orphan in Korea and So I'm so entrenched in discovering the people that were around back then that led me to being adopted by my amazing family that I have today. So, for example, the doctor, the doctor that found me, the um the uh social worker that gave a good report on me and said that I'd be a really good personality, be adopted. Like, so I've discovered all these really cool things and I'm like, oh my god, I mean, what if what if the social worker said I was a little brat and I wouldn't stop crying? That's like, would right. I still have been adopted today? Or, That's so right. I'm really, I'm just so uh, touched by all the intricacies of mm-hmm. the people that had no idea what they were doing was going to get me to where I am right now. Yes. And so, do you have any?
0: Gosh, I do have key people in my life mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, there are there are key key people that made very important introductions for me because they saw me do something once Mm -hmm. and said wow that's you have a gift i want you to meet somebody else that knows what to do with people like you or something like that for example um and before i tell the story i'll also say i mean it was also every single music teacher babysitter um, that
2: babysitter, yeah, Aww.
0: because our babysitter, <laughs> she didn't let us sit down and watch TV. She said,
1: "Oh, I read love these that. plays.
0: I want you guys to put on this play today." Or we got a video camera now, so why don't you guys go make up a movie or shoot something? So, at a very, very young age, cool. we were just creating, and I think that's why I just chose. Hey, I, if I can do this rest of my life, I will. I want to uh-huh. be an adult, but still feel like a kid, just creating stuff. And um, so, yeah, babysitter was key. That is uh, really cool. Parents were very supportive. Yeah. Uh, my um, Hanover County Public Schools in Virginia, where I grew up, amazing arts programs with. You could take photography mm-hmm. or band or chorus, drama, communications, all these things I still I use in my life. Mm-hmm. So great teachers there. But then there are these random key people in your adult life that have almost no affiliation with uh, your trade that one was this this guy ron bmx rider i met him because my ex-girlfriend was dating him and they were kind enough to let me crash with them in san francisco the first time i ever came to california Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to come out here for inspiration i thought it was kind of very kerouac-esque to move to the west and be inspired by the adventures and uh, this bmx rider and i Got to be friends, and he knew my manager. And he said, bring your guitar. We're going to go to Vegas and have a party for the weekend. And you can jam out in the hotel room for people. I was like, sounds good. So went and had this great party and jammed out. And that night in that hotel I met, Bill, who's my manager, and, and several other people. Justin, who manages my farm today. Oh. Jerry, uh, who is just a lifer, who currently manages my merch business, but is he dabbles in all of it from our farm to our uh-huh. music. I mean, he's just a he's a lifer. He's such a giver. And that was more than 18 years ago. Wow.
1: And I met them
0: all in this hotel room. That's amazing. And they said, and all thanks to this BMX rider who was dating my (laughs) ex-girlfriend, and they broke up shortly after. Uh And so had I not been in San Francisco at that window of opportunity, I wouldn't have met that writer who introduced me to my manager, because he would have come and gone Mm. out of my ex's life. Mm. And similarly, meeting my manager, I know that artists and opportunities have come in and out of his life at different times. Mm -hmm. And he said no, so... I also met him at this really great window when he was willing to take on a new project in, in a management field, which was also a new field for him. Mm-hmm. So we saw it as a significant meeting as well. Like, mm-hmm. wow, the timing is really right for both of us to try this. Um, uh, they, at that time, were based in San Diego and said, you should go check out San Diego. I'd never been here before. So from Vegas, I went to San, San Diego with a backpack And uh, crashed with Bill for a while and tried the coffee shops and just got a sense of what was going on. I was like, oh, this is a really cool community. Okay, well, nice to meet you. I'll go back to San Francisco and maybe we'll stay in touch. And he said, before you go, uh, he offered me a house-sitting position because he was moving his whole business to Los Angeles. He said, why don't you just stay here in this house, go play the coffee shops, get better at what you do. And it gave me free rent is what it gave me. It gave me Uh... my best possible place to start.
2: And he saw something in you that maybe you hadn't
0: seen yet. He saw the potential, Mm -hmm. but he knew I needed to develop skills Mm -hmm. in performing live and I needed to build up my song catalog. Because I only had about a dozen songs and they were weird. (laughs) But they sounded pretty They, they sounded pretty, but they didn't, They weren't really for the masses. Okay. And I didn't really know what that even meant. But so I, I holed up at Bill's house. He moved to L.A. and and Jerry and Justin and I got to become very good friends. because uh, I was this new kid in San Diego, and because I was a new kid, I didn't I didn't fear anything. I was I just felt I, I was making it. Because remember, my dream was I don't want to have to have a day job. Right. I just you don't want, want to be in a cube
2: farm or nine to five. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So, mm-hmm. um those were very key and it happened very quickly and it also happened only about three weeks after i moved to california Mm -hmm. which was very bizarre but i was open to any possibility that came Mm -hmm. my way i was in college in virginia and i kept hearing this voice like you need to get you need to go to california right now and i'd hear the voice i go oh no i'll go in the summer I'll finish the semester and I'll spend my summers in California, but I'm gonna really stay in school. And the voice just got louder and stronger and stronger. It's like, "You need to not be here. You need to go to California. That's right like now. the
2: voice that said, you're gonna make my birthday amazing. Exactly. <laughs> just
0: like this random. So what yeah. is that voice? If it's not the voice that says "You're less than, it's this yeah. other voice that yeah. says, Hey, there's a brilliant opportunity up ahead. It's dangling some carrot. Uh-huh. So I listened to that voice. I said, All right, I'm going to go. And at spring break, I packed everything up, moved to California. And three weeks later, I met people who would change my life forever who believed in me. That's so cool. Yeah. And it was scary. I cried. I drove myself <laughs> from Virginia to California all by myself, <laughs> sobbing, so afraid, like I was giving everything up and just. Didn't afraid, also sobbing because I knew how romantic and beautiful it was that I'm really doing it. I'm really on this highway pursuing this crazy dream.
2: What did your parents say? I didn't tell them. Oh.
0: I waited. I said, I'm taking a trip to California for spring break. (laughs) And after, (laughs) luckily, I made some connections very fast. And after I was out in California for about six weeks, I said, hey, I didn't go back to college. I'm staying out here. And oh,
2: so they thought you went back to college the entire time after
1: spring break. Yeah.
2: Okay, got it. <laughs> I just didn't check in, right? You know, I didn't lie. I just didn't
1: tell the whole
0: truth, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, "Hey, I'm out here. I'm going to be staying out here." And uh, my mom was a little disappointed, so she quickly came out to visit because she's like, "What are you doing? Where are you living? Who are these people?" And she saw a gig that that I had that that I had set up, and she's like, "Oh." okay, people are responding to this. Like you, okay, you got it, go for it. So, and then, you know, this is why I said, I, I couldn't have created this whole thing by myself. This mm-hmm. was really so many people coming in, collaborators and people that believed in my dream. Mm-hmm. And there was a period too, when I'm doing the coffee shop run, I did about three years straight of coffee shop gigging. And some, some weeks early on in that, some weeks were, some months were pretty tight barely was making the bills. Um, And it was the kindness of friends that would say, I'm going to take you to dinner, or I'm going to take you to the movies, you know, come out with me, that would give me a good quality of life, even though I didn't have a a dime to spend. Oh, I love that. And that's really what I think nurtured me wanting to give back once I made it. That's what planted those Um. seeds, because I know that no matter how hard my struggle was, my community gave me a good quality of life. Right, you had so many people that believed in you. Totally. And so once I got the bills paid, and then eventually things grew exponentially, and I surpassed all of my wildest dreams and goals, (laughs) that it made sense for me to not only made sense, it just felt good to make sure people in my community, when they struggled, they were also eating, and they were also... Being pumped up, and that their art mattered. On, at, you know, no matter what level they got to, their mm-hmm. art mattered, and you know, their quality of life should be a good one.
2: So then, is that how you developed your foundation, or is that kind a of bit, the springboard? Absolutely. Okay.
0: Absolutely. I knew as things were starting to grow, I said, I want to make sure that somewhere in here is a charity arm, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what it looked. I didn't know the first thing about the language and the how it worked. Mm-hmm. I just knew that. If I was going to be receiving spotlight and money, some of that light and money should be going to groups of people that are run by volunteers that are scraping by, Mm -hmm. but they're doing amazing work. Mm -hmm. And so it just took, what I've learned is you don't donate to organizations or causes, you donate to people. And Mm -hmm. so you meet people on your path that blow you away with Mm -hmm. their Indiana Jones lifestyle, and you think, I want to help put gas in that guy's Jeep. You know, I want to make sure that his project is funded so that that work can continue. So I've, because of that, I've been able to dabble in a lot of different um, fields, I guess, whether it's um, human rights, um, environmental protection, assistance in recovery, music education, etc. And, and this past year, I've decided, okay, I've seen a lot. I want to really refocus my foundation now that I've had more time understanding where my money goes. I want it, how I want it to be more impactful. Rather than writing a lot of small checks, I want to create a new, new programs and partner with people that big checks can help make big things happen. Mm
2: -hmm. And that's your, um, what, like at this point in your recreation of that, Mm -hmm. what does that look like?
0: Or what are you, what are you seeing? Right. Well, I've had to, I've decided to cut back on the, this wide scope that I was going to assist in, for example, you know, environmental conservation and preservation is something that we stand for uh, morally and ethically. We should be responsible for it, but I'm not going to let my foundation's earnings go down that path.
2: And this is the Jason Mraz Foundation, right? This is right? Jason Mraz That's Foundation. the title? Okay.
0: Exactly. All right. And we're basically shining a light through inclusive arts education mm-hmm. and the advancement of equality. Mm-hmm. And I chose to focus on those things. We still respect Mother Earth, but when I'm raising funds, I really want it to be for inclusive arts education and the advancement of equality because quality of life and helping the next legacy, the next generations of creators thrive in the world is something mm-hmm. that I can personally relate to. For sure. And I look forward to building that program. hmm Whereas the environment is such a huge project, such a huge project, and it's so challenging with climate deniers and people that live in cities that have no connection to our parks and our beaches and our farms, that it was so overwhelming that I, I, it will be a part of my life Mm -hmm. for sure.
2: Obviously, I mean, look at your property. This is...
0: But it was taking a lot of energy away from um, everything else in the foundation. So it was a hard... It was a hard decision, but I really did need to simplify my message and my program. Mm -hmm. And like I said, instead of writing a lot of little checks to a lot of things all over the world, really trying to bring it Mm -hmm. home. So our first program will hopefully launch in 2019 here in San Diego. And right now we're just seeing everything we can about the San Diego arts community in schools, after school programs, in homes, clinics, etc. And hoping to discover where there's a gap. And in that gap, be able to build our program and hopefully in 2018, really solidify our partnerships and staffing, Mm -hmm. create their curriculum. And then in 2019, launch this baby and see how it goes. Wow. So it'll be a fun, probably like an arts camp.
2: Oh, okay. So what I wanted to ask you too, so then what does inclusive arts mean? I'm not Um, on that term myself.
0: So what we want to do is uplift those who might be viewed as second class or be underserved, whether it's the special needs community, um, it could be immigrants oh, and refugees, it. Okay. it could be LGBT mm-hmm. youth, it could be homeless youth. Yeah. Um,
2: That's amazing. I so love that. I love that. Put
0: them all together mm-hmm. because there there actually are a lot of arts programs for, for kids with special needs, but how many of those programs, little to none, are where those kids are actually integrated with typically able kids and they all get to work together on a very challenging curriculum so the typically able kids are learning compassion and empathy because they're working with these special needs kids mm-hmm. who are who are learning you know in some cases just the f- just new physical movement and, and social skills that they w- didn't have access to because they were in yeah. the special needs class
2: They're denied or exactly it wasn't even an
1: option
0: exactly mm-hmm. so everyone in the same pool, Mm. And uh, and melt hearts and and this idea was, actually came from um, a friend in Virginia who has been doing this project for the last five years, mm-hmm. which I've been a part of. It's called Live Art, and we do it every. I have to take a deep breath because it's such a beautiful story, and it can be a long story. Mm. I'll try to give you the short story. Live (laughs) art is everything I just described to you. It's an inclusive arts program. Mm -hmm. Theirs is 10 months. It runs in parallel with the school year, hosted by the School of Performing Arts in the Richmond community, of which I am an alum in Richmond, Virginia. And we felt there was a need for this, um, for a rigorous artistic training experience for anybody who, who's involved. And it culminates in this brilliant concert every June where we bring in veteran artists to perform alongside our young people. And so what's likely going to happen is some replication of that here in San Diego. Um, but it may not be for 10 months. It could be. If we find the right partners or, or a school that can help us pull it off, it could be very much that. But I think we can do it um, in a shorter amount of time as well. Which
2: So then going back to, you're saying art camp, it's going to be mm-hmm. like an... Uh, a, a camp for the children to enlist in or exactly okay, so that'd we be want be, to provide artistic training
0: for personal mm-hmm. expression and development and and you're there and the way we've done it in the past is the way it's challenging for all is um, you mix up the mediums so mm-hmm. you, might, you might paint with your feet or you might paint blindfolded Or you dance with um, tools that paint technology, paint images on computer screens. Mm. Like you mix it up. You learn rhythm. You learn sign language. And I mean, anybody that's learning an instrument, right there, there's a challenge. And and you learn, you create. And it's also based on the strengths and the of the individual creators that come Mm -hmm. to the camp. So here we are, going into the summer of 2017. This project could look very different in two years, but at the moment, that's what it's looking like. It's going to be a very exciting, diverse, crazy arts camp that hopefully you just make new friends at. You feel like you've learned some new tools when you go in to create a song or create a play or uh, create a dance.
2: I love it. Yeah. Those it's kids fun. are going to be so excited. Yeah, for, it's going to be a for what's They don't know it's coming,
0: but... Exactly. <laughs> I love that, too. Like, all of this work that takes years and years yeah. of preparation for just to stoke some kids out. Yeah. That's it. <laughs>
2: That's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I love it. And then you also mentioned, we were talking earlier, that you're currently building a small farm brand from your backyard. What do you mean by that?
0: Okay. So this I never thought I would do. But mm-hmm. I moved out here because I wanted to live out in the country, this is back in 2004, mm-hmm. based on having visited Bob Marley's house in Kingston, Jamaica. It's now a museum. And you can That's it. incredible. It's cool. This place is very cool. It's a big compound, but it sits right in, in I don't want to say the heart of Kingston. I've only visited there once, but it's definitely outside of the compound is the city. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on, but in the compound it's very peaceful and all kinds of people there playing games and cooking cornmeal porridge in the yard things that Bob Marley sang about are still happening on that property and he had a studio in the back and a little garden and it was a model it was the first time I'd seen him a a real practical model for living so um, I had just had some success with my first album and I didn't want to live in an apartment in Los Angeles where I was living at that time decided I was going to come Back to San Diego and Mm -hmm. find some countryside/slash farm space. And found the house. It was a little outside of my comfort zone because I had been living in apartments or sleeping (laughs) at Java Joe's. (laughs) And now suddenly I'm a homeowner. Like I thought I was going to have a fixer-upper house, but I have, you know, a classic, you know, hacienda, Southern California hacienda. We built the studio in the backyard. My whole band moved in, so it it felt practical. You know, there's a lot of us here, crew guys coming. We turned the uh, coming and going. We turned the um, garage and living room into studio spaces while this mm. was being built. And uh, it became a place where between tours I could come and refill my well, uh, be as weird as I want, as loud as I want, be take more risk creatively, not have to pay other studios for their time, Yeah, be here and learn the art of recording. And over time I started to take notice of the trees that were here which are all avocado trees, planted in the early 1970s. And as a landowner, you have to make decisions about how these trees are going to perform. So I was kind of forced into it by Mm -hmm. choosing to live in an agricultural area. Mm -hmm. So in around 2009, 2010, I had fallen in love with Cafe Gratitude by now, and I really wanted to eat my own zip code. I lived in an agricultural area. Surely people around here must be growing food I could eat. Why should I have to...
1: Ah. Oh, Why should I have yeah. to
0: import and do all that, you know? There's a big movement going around, farm to table and eat local and eat organic. Uh-huh. I said I need to take more action here in this land. I can't just live here and not participate. So started I love that. started with a small mm-hmm. garden just to learn how it works. Started meeting neighbors and who who've become collaborators and farming mentors and helped me manage the groves, convert them to organic. Um, diversify and understand social impacts, environmental impacts, and then economic impacts. Because one thing I learned very quickly going down the organic path was I was losing money every year because it's very expensive to convert. And every because everything you have to do is by hand. You can't just walk around once a year and spray something. You're out there constantly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Most of it's managing irrigation control and pulling weeds or managing how your weeds grow because weeds are actually a good thing. So all of that just takes time and people and materials. And so thousands of dollars are going every year. And so I realized I needed to bring my name recognition into my farming life. Mm-hmm. But it's also been helpful because the stuff I've learned in farming is I can be applied to the music business as well. Like, or any business in that uh, the obvious things like you plant a tree, it takes patience, it takes time, it takes feeding it, it takes pruning it. Um, but also the story you tell around it and the experience you let your customers have with it. And so that's what we're in the process of doing is, and we're doing this only to help the farm sustain itself. You know, I shouldn't have to, it's only being sustained right now by my credit card, but (laughs) what we would like to have, and it's launching very soon. It it already exists, uh, but it's Mariah's family farms. You can go online and check us out. We have a blog and you can order our avocados and wood products that come from our trees and, We're basically trying to...
2: com. That's it. Okay. Um,
0: And have a direct-to-consumer experience. But at the same time, if you come in, you get to hopefully be educated a bit on the Brilliance of nature mm-hmm. and how magical Mother Earth is. Um, nowadays, I mean, especially in this area, every every tree you see isn't native. Man planted these here, and that's the same with all of our communities and our cities. Most of the trees and the land, the the park landscapes, are put there by people, by designers, and it's still a medium we can work with, and we can reintroduce native plants. But Mother Earth itself is so beautiful, and I don't want her to be lost mm-hmm. on our, just for some short-term gains. And so that's what we hope that Moraz Family Farms will be able to teach, as well as provide food and, and fun and that's coffee. Amazing. We grow coffee. You grow coffee? We grow coffee, which is very exciting for California, as it's a new crop. So it's an industry that doesn't really exist yet, but it's, it's just starting. It's
2: oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it'll be called Moraz Family Coffee?
0: Not sure. The storefront is Maras Family Farms. I'll oh, have um, to judge it for sure. you since I'm a coffee We snob. do have 11 <laughs> different varieties, so each variety has its own name already. But not sure what the final roast name will be called or anything like that.
2: Oh, I later. cannot wait. For, when is that coming out?
0: Probably by 2020. Okay. It'll be in that decade at least that things really start to get ramped okay. up. Okay.
2: Gosh, that seems so far away, doesn't it? It does, but it's, it doesn't. It is, but it not We yeah. have
0: a lot to do before then mm-hmm. to prepare for all of that coffee that's coming because we that's have amazing. a lot of coffee trees growing right now. And by 2019, 2020, we're going to be over our head in beans.
2: So wait, then how many acres are we sitting on right now?
0: We're sitting on 11. Okay. And over, yeah.
2: Okay. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. I have to go, I'll have to check out your website. Please. <laughs> uh, so, um, this is a question inspired by my, by my friend Dave. And your so your your big hit, "I'm Yours," started an incredible movement. Everyone caught on to that. It's such a catchy tune. It's it was such a a huge um, song for that moment. And you captured people and you inspired them from just that song. So I wanted to know how did how were you inspired yourself through that moment? Cause that was a big moment for you. That was like the, that was a, when people really knew who you were. Right. Am I correct mm-hmm. in saying that?
0: That was probably the peak of my popularity that, that introduced me to a world audience for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. You yeah. became
2: worldwide for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So what was, what was that like? And how were you inspired yourself during that time?
0: Mm. Well, the song itself came very quickly. It came here. I It was
2: right here where we're sitting.
0: Not in this because this wasn't Mm -hmm. built yet. But I was in my house. Oh, that's right. Okay. And it was the fall of 2004. And the song itself was not written for someone. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. It was about surrendering, singing into the great unknown, and saying, "Make me an instrument. I'm yours. I won't hesitate anymore." You know, our time is short. This is our fate. I'm yours. And just singing on some happy, happy hippie chords, you know it wasn't long after my visit to Bob Marley's house, and wrote it on an electric guitar, even most people associate it with the ukulele, but um, it was just happy little song that just came out very very quickly about forty five minutes wrote the whole thing down and thought well, wow, that's cute sounds like a nursery rhyme or something maybe I'll put it on a kid's album and I set it aside, and I played it for. The band and producer and label during my second album, Mr. and mm-hmm. Z, but it just wasn't. I guess it wasn't realized, fully realized, and we dismissed it. We didn't put it on the record. But in 2005, I started to add it to my live show. Started playing it, and it just felt really, just felt great. It had a good mm-hmm. energy to it, and the it's more really I played catchy. it, the more mm-hmm. I played it live, the more the melody really took off, and some of its attitude appeared, I guess, and eventually found the groove by, say, 2007. And at that time, it had existed on my MySpace page as an acoustic freebie.
2: MySpace, that's freebie.
0: Funny. Yeah, exactly. Just so long ago. <laughs> and I could put up to five songs on there that were, that were streaming for anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was on there. And that was, I noticed, was just racking up the hits. And as I toured to strange places in the world, people already knew the song. I said, wow, this song has a life of its own. I better put it on my next record. So I recorded it, put it on my next record. And by the time I recorded it then, I did have a girlfriend. So the song has a little more swagger in the recording, like scooch on over, closer, dear. <laughs> That's me trying to entertain the girl I was dating at the time. Um, and even since then, some of the lyrics have changed. Like, I no longer say it's our godforsaken right to be loved. Uh huh. That was a phrase that I remember hearing growing up. Like... Ah, oh. God forsaken this, God forsaken that. Yeah, but I, I honestly, because the song was written so fast, I didn't take a moment to look up what that meant, and that would mean in the absence of God, um, it's our right to be loved, and that it's almost shocking because I feel differently. So now I actually sing, yeah. it's our God intended right to be loved, and oh, I love. That. I was almost blind. I love to that you looked that up, like yeah. later on, yeah, after, yeah. It, but I was turning a phrase, uh, originally I was just turning a phrase that I'd heard as a kid mm-hmm. God forsaken this, God for Shaken that, but yeah. didn't realize it was almost like a curse, like like almost like a curse word to say that. Um, some people I've talked to who like the song, they like that aspect of it because it brings a little hint of darkness into the song. Uh-huh. But I, I don't ever sing Forsaken anymore. I always sing Intended, and I have probably since 2009. Ah. Oh. And. Um, because I think God is ever present. I don't think there isn't, I I, I don't think there's an ever an absence of God, even Mm -hmm. if we in our brains think differently Mm -hmm. about what God is, but I don't think that, that energy Mm -hmm. ever, ever goes away. As long as we're breathing in and out, Mm -hmm. we are it deep inside of it. And I think so. So anyway, we're talking about the song. Um, no, I love that. So there's, that's how the song kind of came about. And, um, but it was a slow build, you know, from 2004 to 2008, slow build, playing it live. And then 2008, when it came out, I spent all of eight and nine touring. It was a 22 month tour that started in small clubs and moved to bigger theaters that moved to bigger things and eventually ended up in amphitheaters all over the place. And so it didn't happen overnight. And by the time also that I'm Yours really blew up, it it had been 10 years since I'd, um, been ten years since I dropped out of college and moved to California and started oh. that coffee shop dream. Yeah.
2: You know? oh, so wow. it took
0: ten years of writing and trying and doing and just being a yes to all these possibilities before, you know, this one song broke through. And what I think that song broke through too was because it was just the right message at the right time. Mm-hmm. Whatever else was on the radio, this was like a counter to it. And we still see that today with music. There's the stuff that breaks through is the stuff that's a counter to it. Some, something else that we've just we're tired of. Got and the it. Music is constantly yeah. refreshing itself, and the singer songwriter is lucky in that he appears in every decade throughout uh-huh. history. Music styles always change, but right. singer songwriters always manage to be needed because of their connectivity with the listener. I guess
2: I love that you pointed out the ten years mm-hmm. because. I, I'm, I'm sure that many people thought, oh, you're an overnight success, or it just happened like that, but it right. didn't happen just like
0: that. Exactly. It did not, because yeah. I I had little successes with every project I mm-hmm. made that got me to the next level. My coffee shop recordings got me my record deal. My first album got me a little play on the radio with The Remedy, and that got me touring The Nation. Mm-hmm. And then my second album sustained me and got me learning more helped me build a studio and my third album had I'm Yours on it which Mm -hmm. took me around the world and then my fourth album was so tough to make because I just had this huge worldwide success but luckily it came with I Won't Give Up and allowed me to sustain. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. So but, but albums aren't easy just because I've made them now. They're still very, very challenging to
1: mm-hmm. put
0: content on it that is urgent, content that matters, content that's meaningful, content that feels good when you sing it, when you play it back.
2: I would think there'd stuff. be a lot of pressure there. No? Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, most of the pressure is what I put on myself. Right. But okay. it's also pressure that comes from you know i turn it in and then a committee has to review it whether or not they're mm-hmm. going to promote it and put it out through their channels all over the world and because i've had worldwide success in the past there's almost a level of expectation because we can play at that level now and if we're going to play at that level mm-hmm. the stuff we put out there has to be sharp mm-hmm. has to be competitive it has to be original you know it has to be something that people want
2: that's so interesting. I never realized there's a committee that has to It's a small
0: committee. Yeah, but, but still. Yeah, I mean, they have jobs too mm-hmm. at the label to schedule all the different releases that are coming out mm-hmm. and compete with other record labels and compete with whatever else is on the radio station and it's a very small window mm-hmm. or a small space where music gets played. I mean, cuz there's so much music being created nowadays. If, like I love Spotify, because I can just constantly live in discovery. Mm-hmm. There's so much music that I have access to nowadays. So how, as a creator, do I put myself in that pool and stand out?
2: Right. Right?
0: So it's tough. Very, very tough.
2: It's just keeping your eye on the ball and then, you know, what am I trying to say? It's uh, just doing you. Yeah. Because clearly you've done you in the past and that's exactly. worked out really well for you. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the goal do me we actually have a song called you do you i'll do me together we'll, we'll make harmony <laughs> it's cute too
2: um I, I so i that's interesting because i thought this whole time or I made the assumption that i'm yours as a, as a love song but i that's interesting hearing the story that it started out like i love how you just surrendered to life and Absolutely. surrendered to creativity and yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's a song just surrender mm-hmm. but it became a love song because, be open <laughs> yeah exactly <gasps> that's amazing
2: uh so you are you you are currently in the midst of a tour and you're also getting like ramped up for that um what are the things that you need like how do you sustain yourself what do you need what's your uh what are your must-haves for the day like do you have to have coffee do you have to have a certain amount of sleep what time do you go to bed like how does that look like for you what are your days like
0: on tour Mm -hmm. just in general well um, kind
2: of whatever about, actually whatever one you want to share yeah
0: they're they're actually the same mm-hmm. now because there's really no off cycle and i've learned to adapt i used to have tour periods where i'd be gone for months and months and months at a time mm-hmm. but now i can flow in and out of here and tour and um i do travel with a yoga mat because that's my gym that fits in my suitcase everything mm-hmm. i need that and gravity is all you really need to for me to feel great um and I bring a little container of greens, like Vitamineral Green, uh, which I love. And I might bring a little bit of um, protein powder from Garden of Life. And I do that because those are no matter where I am, I know I can mix that with some water mm-hmm. and get just get a little bit of that nutrition that I that I'm just in case I don't get it wherever I go today when I'm out in the world. If I'm at airports all day or mm-hmm. whatever. And now the landscape has changed a lot in the last 10 years where you can actually have health, healthier food is more accessible, mm-hmm. which I love. For so sure. I definitely want to help keep that moving in that direction. But there was a period of time where I toured with a whole kitchen case, a big penguin, a uh, big pelican case oh. with a blender in it and all these different ingredients to either do uh, soups or smoothies or salads and uh, anything you need. You could just do it. But I've learned now I can just get it in two little containers. Mm-hmm. You know? But I also know that health food is more mm-hmm. readily available. But th- that's it. Um, I do yoga on show days guaranteed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, any day that I'm going to show up and be have some type of appearance, that's a must for me because, like I said, it just helps me get in tune. I don't want to bring my less than to the experience. I want to bring my greatest to the experience. And um, and making sure that I'm I'm nourished, that I'm hydrated, and that I have good food in me and mm-hmm. and uh
2: what do you what do you eat that's it. what's like your
0: what's one of your favorite meals when i'm touring um it's it's usually indian or thai food mm. i feel like you can get really good vegetarian spicy food through those channels and i just love those flavors for sure when i'm home it's such a variety because my wife is a chef and plant-based is her uh, forte, so she can make the most scrumptious. Every dinner is that's think- pretty cool. Every dinner is chef. Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, the the different salads she makes. Like right now, it's forbidden rice with sweet potatoes and beets from oh. our garden or it's um that sounds incredible she she's very much into cooked greens like we were we were in the raw versus cooked debate for a while (laughs) and now we're we're into cooked greens cooking greens down from our garden for about an hour so you really just destroy the cell wall transform its color and flavor and eat it and drink all the broth and those things I try to look for those when i travel there's some some i eat a lot at grocery stores natural markets Mm -hmm. that might have a little salad bar or soup i'm very picky about restaurants and i mean i'm grateful when i get to go but i'd rather get closer to the source Mm -hmm. you know unless a restaurant comes recommended to me but i eat healthy yeah yeah
2: definitely um so how speaking of your wife Mm -hmm. how did you propose to her What's the story? Is there a good story behind that? Um, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) And by the way, that would be stressful, having to come up with how to propose, I would think. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I had tried it once before with a different person, and it was stressful. And um, and so I knew that if I ever did it again, uh, I didn't get married the first time. It was just an engagement. But Mm -hmm. I thought if I ever do it again, I want it to just be simple Mm -hmm. and real and honest. Not a gimmick, but, but me showing up for for what what you're asking is this huge game life-changing commitment to transformation and growth (laughs) because why else would you get married right for sure I, i i was probably a cynic and thought you know marriage is really just for two people to combine their resources so they can survive maybe that's where marriage came from but now i really get that a marriage is this brilliant partnership that that has so many different, um, arms to hug so many different things at once. And that now her wisdom becomes my wisdom. Like we have a bigger brain because everything she is matched with everything I am. We become us, which I didn't know. I didn't know that was going to happen. And Mm. I love that. So things that she does in the kitchen are now I'm learning how to do that. And communication. She's learning that from me as an example. Um, and I love that about her. About I probably said that already. I love it. I just love it. I love it. Um, I proposed to her on our back deck here at home because she said, I don't want anything fancy. She didn't even know I was going to propose. She she never asked. She never thought that we would get married. That wasn't.
2: Oh, so you guys had never talked about it prior to you.
0: No, but I had mentioned it uh-huh. through our dating. I, you know, we took baby steps. It was like, I think I would like to live with you i would like the experience of being closer with you okay so we eventually (laughs) lived together for a while and okay yeah i think we would like to keep playing this and i personally felt i wanted to marry her because i wanted to give her the protections like of what a spouse can receive you know
2: oh i love oh i wanted
0: her to have health insurance you know that i have and and as we grow older i wanted her to just to have ownership of the things that we're now creating together as a duo so we did that and i i've only been surprised ever since at how much we've continued to grow because we are a duo and um i proposed on our back deck she said she doesn't want for anything she did she, she you can't get her to go shopping or indulge in any material stuff. She's just not into it. The only thing material she likes might be like a nice La pot that she Uh can cook in, you know, very efficiently, (laughs) but it's for the greater good of our community. (laughs) And, uh, um, so she says, I don't want anything. All I like is a good cup of coffee, dental floss, my stud, which she is just me. She calls me my stud.
1: That's awesome. So
0: we had a nice dinner at home. It was the though it was the week that my Yes album was coming out okay. in the world, and things were quiet because surprisingly quiet because we had done a lot of promotion, and then then you just kind of sit and wait and see what the album does. So we're sitting at home and it's pretty quiet. Make her a cup of coffee, which is unusual. For after dinner because we don't usually drink coffee in the afternoon and but I wanted her to have a nice cup of coffee and then I brought her some dental floss from and then- Asia mm-hmm. which she loves this special dental floss I bring her from Asia because it's this big cylindrical can and it's got tons of dental floss in it it's different than what we can find over here and so I made her this replica of the floss but I changed the label to have the language was specific to us and the and the date of today, and in um, what what this product can accomplish. And mm-hmm. so when she opened it up, there was a ring inside. <gasps> so she got coffee, dental floss, and her stud. And <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I got down on my knee, and we were crying. And
1: Aww. Um, something
0: I had learned from Matthew and Terri's Inglehart, the, the founders of Cafe Gratitude. Okay. They say when you ask someone to marry you, what you're really asking them is, "Will you help me heal my wounds?" And so I got down my knee, and I asked her if she'd help me heal my wounds. I'm starting to tear up a little bit. Oh, my
1: god. And I've learned that, you know,
0: through, through any relationship, the people you hang out with the most are, are going to trigger you the most. They are going to reveal where we are not our greatest mm-hmm. and where we get angry and throw our tantrums. Mm-hmm. And those are old wounds that are being opened up. And then with someone that's your partner... If someone can sit and hold space for that and help you work that out and heal that up, then it'll never come back or it comes back less and less through life. And you get to heal that part of yourself and move on and move forward. So that's very nice. So that's what, that's what our engagement was about.
2: Oh my gosh. And, it's,
0: and we're doing the work. That is so a,
2: beautiful. A blast. Yeah. I love that story. It's so simple and it's so unique mm. at the same time. Thanks. I love that. You had all three things she asked for. That's I that. need to know that dental floss because I'm a dental floss freak. So oh, Okay. Yeah, you'll have to I need to get that from me before I go. I do know
0: that the floss itself was as special as more the quantity that was provided in this little can. Oh, and it's a cute little okay. can. It's like you know, it's a little silver <laughs> can. But it just has endless like, I don't know, two hundred <laughs> yards of dental floss.
2: Only in Asia. Exactly. You can get it only in Asia. Yeah, okay. I
0: guess I've never seen it anywhere else.
2: Mm, I love that. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to, well, actually this is what I am also curious about is can you share a time where you wanted something really badly? You didn't get it. And then looking back, you're so incredibly grateful that it didn't turn out and why,
0: mm. Where I wanted something badly, it didn't work out, and then I was like, oh, I'm glad that didn't happen.
2: Because it propelled you into something big that you didn't see.
0: Mm. Gosh, I don't know. It's probably everything. <laughs> um,
2: Isn't that right, though, in yeah, a way? I mean... Because it, so many things you don't get, it's always for a really good reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would probably be... I mean, a num- yeah, a number of things through my past, but it could be... Like college, for example, uh, I didn't get into every college I applied to. And then I got into a uh, musical and performing arts academy, which was its own thing, which was nice and did that. But I dropped out of that to pursue original music. Um, but had I got accepted into a college and, and gone with all of my friends, I may have just ended up with a completely different career path, whether it's music educator or ended up singing on a cruise ship <laughs> or... You know, a musical theater guy. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember for a little period, I really wanted college to happen, but it just it never happened. And then through the years, I I had different audition opportunities that came and went. And you know, I think had any of them been accepted, I would have would have either veered off my path for and, and done that for a while. Could have been great, or it could have just been more embarrassing stuff that ends up on the internet. Um, but I don't know. That's that's a tough one because. I I really try not to to dwell on the past and what mm-hmm. could have been or what almost was. Um you know, I've had relationships that I wanted so bad and oh, I'm so glad they didn't work out and, and even then in hindsight I wish gosh, I wish I had ended them even sooner mm-hmm. than I did. Yeah. So I could have been even freer. For sure. From whatever those stories were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Do you, you... Know, yeah. Oh, go ahead.
0: I say I can only be grateful for my path, past. For everything I see and can't see mm-hmm. about it.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, do you have a a blooper moment you can share?
0: A blooper? A blooper
2: moment. Oh, and I've been dying to ask you about mm-hmm. your stand-up comedy.
0: Great. Speaking
2: of blooper. Can we so, talk about that? <laughs> I
0: think they go hand in hand. Because yeah. where I'm starting with my comedy is it gives me a chance to just share my bloopers. Mm-hmm. Because if you try to hide your bloopers, then they, I think they'll only, uh, you'll, you'll fear them, you know, like, Oh, I don't want anyone know that. Mm, what's a blooper. Um,
2: yeah. Like you'll be horrified. It's then you have to constantly
0: yeah, shield
2: yourself because yeah, you're horrified. Exactly. Someone's going to find out about something that happened exactly. that you were really embarrassed over. Okay.
0: So like <laughs> one of the things I talk about when I do stand up is I talk about how I was a cheerleader in high school. <laughs> you, were in- Wait, exactly. <laughs> you, you were a cheerleader briefly. Wait, what? Exactly.
2: You were a cheerleader in high school
0: <laughs> briefly, very briefly. And I'm, I'm, I'm not making fun of and you. And I tried I just- to hide that <laughs> for when my album first came out, and people knew about it. I was like, don't talk about that. I'm like, oh, that's not who I want to be portrayed as. But now, it's best to talk about it because it's so funny, you know. And it's a, this it's, it's. It's part of where I was for a minute. Yeah, it's great. So, wait, wait. Ready? You were a okay. man. You
2: were a band cheerleader. How did you... Yeah. What? Like, how did that happen?
0: Okay, so <laughs> I was in... <laughs> I was in show choir. I was in singing and dancing with uh-huh. all the kids. And a, most of the girls in show choir were also the cheerleaders. And... There were some guys in cheering who had graduated, and they said, "You guys should come and take their place." Me and my friends in choir. Uh huh. And I'm not a very big guy, and I was definitely not a big guy in high school. I was a little scrawny kid who did singing and dancing, but um, I uh, I said, "Okay, let's do it." And plus, I also liked to push the buttons of my schoolmates like I like to do something a little different that I don't know why just just was different whether it's wear a goofy outfit or you know for some reason in high school it wasn't cool to put your backpack on both shoulders you could only have it on one Yeah shoulder.
2: I re- <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. Terrible. (laughs) It's hard on your neck and your shoulder. (laughs) And
0: a new kid came to school and he wore it on both shoulders and got made fun of. And I said, no way, dude, I'm going to wear mine on both shoulders because, heck, it's easier. It's more comfortable. But I also liked that it was different. And so to me, cheerleading was as different as you could get. (laughs) And so I said, yeah, let's do it. I was a junior going to be a senior in high school. So my senior year, I was prepping to be a cheerleader for the football games (laughs) and in order to do this i had to go to uca cheerleading camp and it was a blast because it was me and 500 girls and my one other guy and we were just so appreciated me and this other guy we got the spirit stick every day and everyone wanted us to be on their team and i was singing happy birthday for someone every day because there was enough people there that it was always somebody's birthday and it was great. We went back to school right before the school year, and my friends and I were learning to just participate in the back with the gals and do some throws and some catches and megaphone. I love
2: how you're doing the motions right now,
0: too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this was actually a really good thing. This kind of ties into the last question you asked about, aren't you glad something didn't work out? And right before <laughs> the first game, the, the new cheerleading coach she just wasn't really feeling us guys in the group. She's like, I don't know that you guys really want to be here. I don't know if you're taking it seriously. I don't know if you have enough experience to do this. She goes, I don't think you should do it. And so we said, all right, we won't do it. And I'm glad that happened because we never officially had to stand out there on a Friday night and cheer!
2: Oh, see so you on never on the game. So all it. we
0: did was camp, uh-huh. <laughs> and probably two weeks of getting ready before the football season, before we were asked to leave. And I'm glad because who knows how terrible that would yeah. have been once school had started. But
2: did you, anyone ever videotape you in camp?
0: Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure of it. Luckily, it hasn't <laughs> surfaced yet, but it will, and I'm okay with that.
2: I want to see that. So
0: I talk about camp experiences and. Growing up in Virginia, and um, and I talk about stuff that's happened to me through my music career that could be classified as a blooper, um, and it just it's good to air that out mm-hmm. rather than be ashamed of it because mm-hmm. there were some years where I was like oh I wish I hadn't have done that and now that's on YouTube forever. <laughs> but comedy is a great way to just <laughs> comedy is what um, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Uh huh. So.
2: Oh, I never thought of it that way. So once
0: enough time has passed, yeah. we get there. and uh, <laughs> yeah, I grew my hair out years ago. This is sort of a blooper, but I talk about this when I'm doing comedy, too. Is I grew my hair out. It took me years, good two years. to What do you mean by grew it out? Grew like it out. out? Well, I've always had short hair. Yeah, mm-hmm. I grew it out. like It was down to kind of my nipples, I guess. Okay. Like past shoulder
1: length.
0: <laughs> and I was digging it. I was like, yeah, I did it. I finally just don't care what anybody said (laughs) because I got a lot of comments that I should cut it. No, I'm rebelling. Plus, I need to know. I just need to do this. I'm going to be that guy with long hair. And maybe after that, I'll turn it into dreads. And uh, I'm at a public event and a woman comes up to me. She says, are you Kenny G? And I said, (laughs) no, ma'am. She said, yes, you are.
1: That's amazing. I said, That's
0: amazing. So that night I got mistaken for Kenny G twice. <laughs> Two different people.
1: No way. And
0: <laughs> I go to Australia. <laughs> a similar time. I go to Australia <laughs> and the newspaper says, James Marais here to play a concert sporting his new Kenny G locks. I said, no. This <laughs> I didn't grow my hair for this. This isn't. But I didn't know my hair was going to be that curly because I'd never grown it out before. Right, right. Once it got long, it was curling up. Plus, I didn't know how to manage long hair. (laughs) I would take a shower in the morning and then I would go to meetings and interviews at 11 a.m. with tight, wet, curly hair, (laughs) not realizing that if girls want to do that, they have to get up at 5 a.m. to wash their hair and dr- go through this drying process. And, and so all this added hair maintenance came. I ended up oh cutting my God, it all that's off hilarious. because it wasn't what I thought. So that was kind of a big blooper for me. But that's the kind of stuff I talk about when I do the comedy.
2: So when you say, when I do the comedy, start, like, how did, what do you mean when you do the comedy? Are you doing
0: shows right now? Or are you? I, I'm starting to keep that, those possibilities open okay um during my um, coffee shop era in the early 2000s my roommate Billy Galewood formerly known as Bush he used to host open mics and comedy nights in Los Angeles and it was packed full of comics that would be testing out their material before they go and do the Tonight show so we were in um, the presence of these brilliant storytellers and I loved comedy for its just pure art form of Telling you a story and making you laugh, which is surprise, conscious breathing, mm-hmm. and I love that. You're just thrust into being alive mm-hmm. through laughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was the guy at the open mic who played guitar. So he said, "I want to. I want to try one week to not play my guitar and just talk and see if my banter can sustain me." And it was working. And I started to put together stories that made people laugh. And so. Through all my years of music, I've tried to make my banter light because music can sometimes be heavy or Mm -hmm. emotional, and I like to clear the palette with humor. And I've recently gotten in touch with that comedy scene that goes through the open mic circuits to stay fresh and test out their material. I've recently gotten realigned with them, and it's inspired me to try my banter again without music. And it largely started because I went to a comedy club in San Diego to see some friends, and as we were leaving, the owner said... Hey, Billy, you're up next. There's no opener for the late show. And I just under my breath said, I'll open the late show. And the owner said, you got a hot seven? Which is like, you got seven minutes? I said, yeah, I got a hot seven. And my stomach dropped. I immediately had to, like, crap my pants because I was so freaking nervous. Because I didn't have a hot seven. I didn't have anything prepared. I went to the bathroom to prepare myself, (laughs) splash water on my face. Because the comedy club had 125 people in it ready to see a night of comedy. And I'm gonna go up there. And I just, I flash back to the stuff that I had done in the open mics 10 years ago. It's like, oh yeah, talk about cheerleading. Uh, Talk about, (laughs) and be real. Talk about where you are right now. You know, let them know that you felt like you were gonna crap your pants. Like, just show up and be yourself, and it'll work. And it was great. It was the scariest but most liberating seven minutes. And since then, I've just tried to stay more prepared so that when those opportunities come up, I can do it. Oh, that's awesome. I love, I love comedy, and I would love for that. Um, you know, earlier I said I've learned a lot about farming that uh-huh. can be applied to my music business. Right. In order for for, for farms <clears> to sustain, <throat> there needs to be diversity. There needs to be diversity in the things you're growing and for the different seasons you're growing it. And I find that while the music landscape has gotten diluted with more and more music creators, it's important for me to diversify not only the kind of music that I create, but just the kind of content that, that I create. Mm-hmm. So. Comedy is a kind of content that can be recorded and, and put out there. I can also do shows, um, whether it's video, comedy videos. Mm-hmm. So thanks to learning how to manage a farm, I'm learning how to manage my own music career oh. through through diversified creativity. I love and, it. And, and comedy is, just, everyone loves comedy. <laughs> you have some good and have, stories. And I have good stories. <laughs> you have that some good that stories. I, that I can't just sit on them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> When are you
2: telling your other
0: stories? What do I tell them? Like,
2: when are you telling your other stories? I mean, do you have anything... I'm still like... Do you have anything scheduled? Or is this like you're just seeing what comes your way? Are you, like, scouting out... Are you going to be on some show we can come to?
0: (laughs) Um, baby steps. Because Mm -hmm. I have friends in the comedy world, I can... Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of opportunities where I can just show up and Mm -hmm. they'll let me do seven minutes.
2: Oh, nice.
0: And because I'm a touring artist and right now I play solo... I get to tell these stories all night long. So I try to weave a narrative through my show that can combine these song groups to take you through these different filters of love, whether it's love of the world around you, love of oneself, love of your mm-hmm. family, your community, where you come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through all of that, which can be heady and emotional, try to tell silly stories that make people laugh. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm able to use my comedy in my music show okay, as got well. It.
2: Got it. So right now you're doing comedy with your touring. Yep. Just to entertain your audience, but not like just a specific stand-up.
0: Not yet. Okay. And but I think there will be a time when I actually Mm -hmm. I'm gonna brand a tour that allows me to that allows me to do my sillier songs Mm -hmm. and partner up with comics. Mm. So when people Oh that'd be fun. Yeah, when they buy a ticket, they know they're not just gonna hear they're not coming to hear my typical love song show. This is (laughs) specifically a night of comedy with comics and me doing my comedy too but I'll play you some of the silly songs that that have never made it on records but are uh geared to make you laugh hopefully yeah I love it yeah so it's, in time
2: yeah for sure that's awesome thanks for sharing all that mm-hmm so I thought it would be fun just to do a couple um really fast questions mm-hmm. such as chocolate or vanilla chocolate why really oh I'm vanilla. Great. Does <laughs> your taste buds say so, huh? Pizza or burritos? Burritos, one hundred percent. I agree mm, with that. Mm. Early bird or
0: night owl? Night owl. Although what time do you wake up in the morning? An early bird. I'm about an eight thirty guy. Oh, that's late. Yeah, my wife is up before me, but I'm up at eight thirty so I can make her her coffee. Aww. And then I can do my routine yeah. followed by my coffee slash smoothie <laughs> and then hopefully by 10 11 i'm in the studio in the mornings because i also have to do usually a lap or a check-in a farm business okay maybe a glance I tr- the email thing can can be a can suck yeah, you in for sure for so sure so i don't always glance at those i kind of have to set an intention like okay mm-hmm. tomorrow's an email day
2: yeah
1: um, <laughs> and totally
0: then, <laughs> studio like i'll tend to meet a collaborator in here about 11 and we'll work till dinner time and then after dinner i'll come back and do my own tinkering oh. until the wee hours of the morning so wow okay
1: out.
2: okay got it yeah. that's very cool 8 30 is um when i can sleep till 8 30 i'm so excited it's like i feel so good for the rest mm. of the day you get like those good power hours and
0: mm-hmm.
2: okay ocd or messy
0: probably ocd ocd yeah Cause when something's messy, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I gotta Mm -hmm. get, I gotta clean it up.
2: Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. I mean, that's all I have. I want to keep talking to you though. You have some really great stories to hear from. Thank you. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share that, or can you tell us how we can find you? Tell us about your upcoming tour where people can get tickets, all that kind of stuff.
0: My tour is, um, it's kind of random right now. I do a few dates a month. And then uh, my next, uh, so I'll, I have a couple this week in, in Montreal, um, a few things. Uh, this is May. This is May? Yeah.
2: This is May. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so this week in, I'm in French Canada. Uh, the first week of June I'm back in Virginia doing some stuff with uh, Live Art, mm-hmm. program we talked about earlier. Very cool. I'll be touring the Southwest <clears throat> in mid-June. Uh, which includes a stop at the Hollywood Bowl. So I'll be in Tucson, Albuquerque, Telluride, Bluegrass Festival, Salt Lake City, Hollywood Bowl, and then Ironstone Winery, which is in Northern California. Mm. That's through June. My whole family's coming out because it's my 40th birthday. And June, t- June t- is it 23rd. 23rd? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the birthday party will be at the Hollywood Bowl. That That's night. amazing. It's going to be so fun. Um, with a big, I'm so bummed I can't be that Big super band. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're going to be off doing some brilliant things. Yeah. On the other I'll side be in Africa, planet. so. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, then, uh, so my family out will be, we'll have probably a good two or three weeks of summer vacation together because I really want to put this album I'm working on to bed. Um, and What's I'll probably start touring again probably August, September, but you know, you can find those things out on my Facebook Mm -hmm. and everywhere that there's socials. I have a great social media manager who keeps me present. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have some fun videos coming out over the next six weeks that you can watch that just share a little bit more of my comedy side that tie in a little bit to my music career as well, which is a new adventure. Um, the farm stores there. I mean, just...
2: What's the theme of your album that you're trying to put to bed? And when is that going to come out? Masterpiece, right there. Oh, there there it is. Very cool. I like how uh, it's it's P-E-A-C-E, by the way, everyone. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So what are we here to accomplish in life? Master war or masterpiece? And it seems like I don't know, maybe it seems like in the divided states of America, we're 50-50 on that issue. Mm -hmm. You know, some people want to uh, continue to build walls and and start wars and Mm -hmm. not help neighbor humans. Um, Even though we're all connected in this incredible system earth. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there are truly an equal amount of people that would love to embrace diversity and share resources and have a sustainable human situation on this planet. Because I feel the planet will, will be here with or without us. It's how do we as humans want to work with that. So the album touches on that. Um, but it's more about how can you, we achieve world peace and I think it's through our individual life experience. Mm-hmm. If we truly are at peace with our bloopers and are at peace <laughs> with who we are, with our faults, with our talents, with our family, um, with our health and well-being, if, if we're truly at peace with all of the things that make us uniquely us, then we act differently in the world. We communicate differently and we are more peaceful to others. hmm And so I think World Peace is an inside job. And that's the album I'm trying Mm. to make right now, is an album that, that supports your personal liberation so that you can dance without anyone caring what you look like. And so that you can sing without judgment, so that you can try to go out and accomplish that project without fear. And so that you're willing to help other people because you know that they're suffering too. So I'm trying to put all of that into this masterpiece.
2: That's brilliant. World peace is an inside job. Yeah, world peace is That's an inside brilliant. job. Brilliant.
0: And um, and I feel like those my songs are a reflection of the things I've tried to learn to make to give me peace throughout all these years, mm. so that my brain doesn't win the war right. against unhappiness. Right. And um, music is a powerful tool that can liberate us through dance, through singing. The thing I love about singing is, and this is how it ties into yoga is that singing is all about breath work. It's about conscious breathing. Mm-hmm. When we sing, we, we have to know when we're going to steal that breath so that we can stay in the song and so that we can also have that long exhale of those notes that deliver a potent message or a beautiful tone that harmonizes with the people around us. And um, I, I say that because that's what I love about yoga too. It's trained me in conscious breath work. And I think that's what I love about comedy is because laughter is like, oh, you, get, you get reminded about your mm-hmm. breathing. And for some reason, a funny story f- causes us to breathe deeply mm-hmm. and rapidly. And it tickles us. It literally tickles us with our breath work. And if we, when we forget our breath, we are almost forgetting how beautiful life is because, you know, that breath is our life force we're breathing it in and all of that continues to power us and then we exhale it it's it's what we do the day we're born we take a big deep breath and we spring to life and bef- and when we die we exhale and we breathe no more without breath we are not alive and so i love music because it connects us to that mm-hmm. It brings us in. So when we sing along with a song, we are alive, you know? It's like, it's why we feel, we so, move, yeah. why we feel so good we go mm-hmm. to a yoga class is because the brain doesn't have power over us anymore. We are taking control, not the brain. And we are training ourselves through this conscious breath work to just remember to breathe, remember to breathe, remember to breathe, no matter how painful it gets, mm-hmm. remember to breathe. We take that outside of the classroom and we're, our brains are stronger or our muscles are stronger so that when... The voice that says, I'm no good, I'm no good. Well, now we're stronger because we just remember to breathe, remember to breathe, remember to breathe. And I think music uh, helps us remember to breathe and can help us defeat those voices. And that's what I love about creative tasks is is you put your attention on something. It's like you're remembering to breathe.
2: Mm. Yeah, you have to focus. And you yeah. focus by the rhythm of your breath.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, focus sure. on painting this thing out drawing this thing cuz you know how you want it to look and you're not going to let anything else stop yeah. you from doing that same with a song like yeah i'm going to sing the song till it ends because it's a song and yeah. we're going to be in it you know <laughs> even better it's a whole album or it's a whole concert so we're in it we're dancing we're singing we're having a blast yeah it's a whole festival it's all day long <laughs> like it just it's on and on and uh i'll leave you with this um it's something i try to take with me in, in my shows, in my work, whatever my work looks like. And I think even today this is what my work looks like because we're recording the sounds of our voices. It's going to land somewhere in the world who knows where and when. That's what I love about recorded material is people might discover this 10 years from now and some seed in here might turn into something brilliant for someone else. So I'm happy I had a chance to share. And when I create work, I have a little mission mantra that I use, and that's E-I-E-I-O, just like the farmer. You know, old McDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Uh-huh. Yeah. And E-I-O <laughs> is my acronym for Entertain, Inspire, Educate, I Am, and oh my God, that was the best thing I've ever seen or heard. So it's my goal when I create a show or a conversation or a, um, an album that obviously I wanted to entertain you because it should be your escape it should be your delight to enjoy this this art um i wanted to inspire you so that you say wow i want to do something like this Mm -hmm. too in my life um i wanted to educate like go deeper than just surface level egoic art but like what can i put in here that might go wow i never looked at the world that way before i am is i really want the listener to see their own life in the work Um, not only me show up and be authentic but so much so that the listener goes oh wow that's me, or I can do that too. And then obviously, oh, oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen or heard. Like, I wouldn't just be so wowed by it. Uh, so that's me. E I I O, the farmer and the musician.
2: That's awesome. How did you come up with that? Just one day? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I've, you know, I play with words, mm-hmm. and I was working on a mission statement for a tour back in 2000 something. And, um, I really... I wanted to pump everybody up. Mm -hmm. And I started to dabble more into the farm world and gardening, growing fruit trees, and farming was definitely on the brain. So playing with words in farm, I came across EIAO and put my own spin on it.
2: I love it. That's brilliant. Yeah. And we all can... can, We all know E I E I O. Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. We all do. Yeah. Um, Do you remember... I have one more thing to tell you. So... Remember when I interviewed you a couple years ago for the the cover on Yoga Digest? Yes. Um, did I ever tell you that when I interviewed you, it didn't record? Yes, I remember that. And I thought of that because... You
0: chatted on the phone, right? Yeah. And it didn't record. It, it
2: didn't record, and I was horrified. You did a horrified. great job
0: no, on whatever you remembered.
2: I, I just thought of that because you brought up the EIEO, and oh, we, um, we about I was... It was the most horrifying thing ever. So I had this interview. um, If you're listening, I had this interview with Jason. It was a couple years ago, and it was for a cover story. I'd never written a cover story before. And we talked on the phone for probably an hour and a half. It was a long time. Uh And um, I was getting on the plane to go to India, and... I was gonna transcribe everything on the plane. It's like mm-hmm. a twenty-four hour flight. Mm-hmm. I hit play and nothing. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the numbers and it recorded like three seconds of our conversation. I Gotta make sure this is Jason. Recording. I died. We are still recording. I died. Yeah. So <laughs> good. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to add that in because I just c- couldn't couldn't something about that when you were sharing about the last end of that because right. I remember. I think yeah. I
0: touched on that last mm-hmm. time yeah. a little
2: bit. You did, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, um, but anyways, I am just delighted to have gotten to interview you, and even more so, I just want to outwardly express uh, that I'm just so incredibly honored to that you invited me to your house to do this. You don't know how meaningful that is to me. It doesn't even seem to phase you, but. It, it's just it really made the biggest difference for me and um so i'm just i just wanted to, to make sure and acknowledge you for right. that so thank you and that you've recorded this for us on your amazing equipment here you guys should see this room it's full of lots of it looks like a movie like a, a room and a movie in here mm. there's so much equipment that's really cool and that you're going to be putting this together for us so i just i'm so appreciative thank you thank yeah, you thank you
0: you got it my pleasure